Oh, let's praise him again. You can't wear out this group. Somebody go ahead and praise him anyhow. There's some people in the house you need to go ahead and praise him anyhow. You say, well, I ain't got this. Praise him anyhow. If you're breathing, praise him. If your heart is beating, praise him. You're not in a hospital bed, praise him. You're not in the morgue on a slab, praise him. You're not in a sanitarium in a padded cell, praise him. Oh, hallelujah. While y'all were praising God, I thought to myself, now why in the world did this good man of God invite me down to this place? So I got to thinking, well, Lord, there must be something I need. And I want to tell you what, I've already been blessed. You can't be in this environment and not get blessed. That devil that came in on your shoulder, he's getting nervous right now. That spirit that's keeping you awake in front of a computer screen is about to get cast out of your life. Hallelujah. I love you, Pastor. It's my first time here. And uh, I hope it won't be the last because this is, there's waters to swim in. You know, there's a lot of people that say, well, I can't go to that church. It's not all suave and fancy. And listen, you keep that suave and fancy in the magazines and let us go ahead and have a revival. I'd rather be where the Holy Ghost is. I'd rather be where Jesus of Nazareth is. I'd rather be in a manger in a stable. I'd rather be in an upper room than in a palace. But this church, and you already know this, your good pastor is already moving ahead. I'll tell you what let's do right now. Let's pray for your pastor. Let's pray for your pastor and his wife and his children because this man is the tip of the spear. Would you extend your hands to the pastor by the authority of the name of Jesus? We pray for a hedge of protection. We pray for protection around his mind. We pray for protection around his heart. We pray for protection around his marriage. We pray for protection around his wife. Come on, lift your voice with me. We pray for protection around his children. The devil would love to see somebody stumble and fall. But God's got a plan and God's got a dream and God's got a promise and God's got a man. We ask you to keep him in the palm of your hand by the authority of the name of Jesus. And if I could do anything, I would recommend that you pray for this man and his family every single day.
I know a little bit about these things, and I know that a building program is extremely taxing. And um, there was a great explorer by the name of Shackleton who tried to navigate an expedition across Antarctica. He failed. And because his ship overstayed its welcome, it froze in place. It was one of the most incredible expedition stories in the histories of humanity. But he made this observation while they were out one day trying to gain some type of direction. They, they, made, they coined a phrase called wind madness. And wind madness is describing a condition in which the wind is coming from every direction. And that's what it's like when your man of God begins to traverse into unknown spiritual terror. I'm going to tell you, this is going to become the spiritual center of this entire area. You're going to have people coming just to check it out, but one by one, God's going to pull them out of darkness into this marvelous light. Oh, yes, he is. I heard the story one time of a man. I heard the story of a man that he was uh, lived a couple houses down from the mayor of the city. And one day they were both out cutting grass together, and the mayor yelled over to me, said, Hey, I'm going to be in your church tomorrow. I'm going to church with you. And uh, the saint started to panic, and he went in and took a break and called the pastor and said, Pastor, the mayor is about to visit our church tomorrow. The pastor said, wow, that's great. And the man said, well, Pastor, you know, uh, could we tone it down a little bit? You know, the mayor's coming. And uh, the pastor said, well, I don't know about all that. The man said, well, you know, Sister Susie, she starts whipping her hair around and spitting 50 caliber bullets like bobby pins hitting the walls and old joe the ex-town drunk takes a lap and he said pastor please let's turn it down a little bit for the mayor and pastor said you know i don't know about all that let's just see what god does sure enough they walked in the back door and sat in the very last pew and the music started and the praises went up and the glory came down and sister susie starts dancing and whipping her hair and sure enough bobby pins are bouncing off the drywall and old joe does a old brother joe does a war hoop and starts running the aisle and the man got down on his knees and just said oh no what's this man gonna think of me now and he just had his head in his hands and just sat there at the pew when he finally got enough nerve to look up the mayor of the city had his hands in the air with somebody had his hand on his head speaking in tongue don't tell me that God's not big enough to turn this thing upside down. Let's go ahead and pray for that kind of a revival. God can pull them out of the sheriff's department. God can pull them out of the prison. God can pull them out of city hall. The name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, it's an honor to be with you. It's great to have my beautiful wife. My wife is from Stuttgart, Arkansas. And uh, 
You know, when you get, when you marry a girl from Arkansas, you better be eating your Wheaties and praying good. And all the men said, amen. But I love her. She's, she's the real deal. She is the real deal. I'd like to direct your attention here very quickly in the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 5. We honor your great pastor and his family, his children. Um, you're blessed. You're very blessed. You're very blessed. 2 Kings, chapter 5, and verse 1. Now Naaman, the captain of the host, the king of Syria was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor. Now, the Bible is describing the enemy of God's people. Okay, but the nation of Israel was not where they needed to be with God. So God was using this man. He was a great man, honorable. He was also a mighty man in valor, but the Bible said he was a leper. He had an incurable disease, an incurable condition. And I want to tell you in the Holy Ghost, there's some people under the sound of my voice that you have an incurable condition before now. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. She became a slave. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were, the, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Skipping down. Verse number eight, and it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me. Speaking of Naaman, let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and went away and said, Behold, I thought, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana? And far par rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel. May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith, Wash and be clean? Then Naaman finally went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. I'm going to repeat that again. According to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again 
like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Just do it. Just do it. Let's lift our hands and pray together right now. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, you've already been greatly magnified and exalted, but I pray in this incredible arena and this incredible environment of the spirit and angels the blessings of the Lord I pray oh God for more of a demonstration more of a deliverance more salvation just more of you we ask it in the name above every name in the name of Jesus Christ and everybody said amen Look at your neighbor and say, just do it. You may be seated. The prophet Elisha inherits, much like his predecessor, the great prophet Elijah, a social condition of his people that is less than perfect. The people are being chastised by God. The enemy has made inroads. But yet Elisha is a prophet and he's there to do the role and the job of a prophet. Naaman is playing an incredible role. In fact, Naaman transcends the Old Testament. Even Bible students will recall in Luke chapter number 4 when Jesus quotes the prophecy of Isaiah chapter number 60. He closes the book and says, I am he. The people murmured among the crowd and said, is this not Joseph's son? They tried to downplay him by the spirit of familiarity and bring him into um, an equation and an understanding that would familiarize him. and So they didn't have to believe and didn't have to obey because that's just the nature of people. They just have a tendency to look for flaws. They have a tendency to look and familiarize themselves so they can begin to discredit. It's in you, it's in me, it's in everybody. But nonetheless, in Luke chapter number four, Jesus went on to describe that there were only two miracles that were done in front of all of God's people. But because of their disobedience, none of those miracles were done among God's people. And one was the widow at Sarepta, and the other one was talking about Naaman. And so Naaman became a very important illustration and a mile marker among in the minds of God's people, especially prophetically speaking. And here the Bible is saying that Naaman, although he was an enemy, he was um, a captain of the host of a great and vast army. He was a great man. He had a level of integrity just because he wasn't living for God and he wasn't of the nation of Israel did not mean that he had no integrity. He had integrity. The Bible calls him a great man. But the Bible also, before leaving our, our brief description of this man, 
It wants us to note that he was a leper. Now, you have to understand that leprosy is a lot like having AIDS in the 21st century. It is incurable. Leprosy is a, is a disease of gradualism in which if it continues to work in an individual's life, the body parts will begin to fall off and ears and nose and it was, it was ghastly. It was a ghastly uh, disease. And so lepers lived in colonies. They were not allowed when it reached a certain condition when the priests determined that this leprosy is for real that they had to go into special colonies. They had to live with other people that had the same condition. They were not allowed to be around family anymore or marriage anymore, children anymore. It didn't matter. And so although that Naaman was all these, all these things, he was a man that understood leadership. He was a man that was under authority. He was a man that was a great man, but yet he was a leper. And as uh, time went along, there was a little maid woman that began to talk to um, Naaman's wife and began to tell her that there was a prophet that was in Samaria. Uh, this little maid was, was trying to do her part. And it's amazing how the little people without a name, without a social security number, without a position, without a, a posture, can play a big role in, in the things of God. Just a little stone, if, if, it's, if it's hurled by prophetical power and unction, can bring down a giant. Just a little maid had the answer. It wasn't a billboard. It wasn't a radio program. It wasn't a Jimmy Swaggart old rerun on cable TV. It was just, it was just a little maid. It was somebody that, that attended uh, the local apostolic church. And, and uh, she did her duties. And then she went on her wood curtsy and, and go off to church and do her thing. And, and finally, she, she became outspoken. She said, you know, I know that that the man of the house, he's a great leader, he's a great man, he's treating us well, he's treating us right. But, uh, but there is a prophet in Samaria. And the mistress told her husband as the story unfolds, we had to leave it out because it's lengthy, but what he did is, is Naaman um, contacted the king and he wrote a letter. They fabricated a letter and sent it to the king of Israel and the king of Israel didn't have enough backbone to hold a skeleton together. And uh, he fell to pieces and couldn't handle uh, kind of like um, Hezekiah when Sennacherib said, I'm coming. There was just total panic. And uh, that's exactly how the king of Israel responded. And, and he just began to panic. And finally, he reached out to the prophet. And, and he said, you know, I'm getting this letter, and I don't know what's going to happen. And we're afraid. And we don't know if, if he's going to come in and take everything and make us slaves. We don't know what's going to happen. And, and uh, finally, the prophet said, I'll tell you what let's do. You, you have... You have Naaman, you have him come to church on Sunday. You have him come to church on Pentecostal Sunday. And, uh, and, and let's, just, let's just see what will happen. Well, that's exactly what happened. Naaman, uh, by the prodding of his wife and the prodding of this little maid, finally made his way 
and, and, and came to the house of Elisha. And there was great pageantry and fanfare and, and, and all of the, all of the esconced, uh, uh, headdresses on the horses and all of the, the military men that came and they all stood at attention. And, and he finally goes up to the prophet's door and knocks. And he knocks a little more. And he knocks a little more. And finally Gehazi cracks the door and sees that it is none other than Naaman. And Naaman is there and he says, I've got this problem. I found out I could get an answer around here. I understand that this God that you guys call on and been worshiping all afternoon can touch my body, touch my mind, heal me of my incurable situation. Oh, you're here today. You're in the building. And so Naaman said, this is my deal. I've got this problem, and, and, and I'm the boss in these parts. I've got armies under me. I can, I, can, I, can, I can brutalize you. I can do whatever I want to do, but I'm here because I heard there's an answer. And, um, and so Gehazi closes the door and goes in to where Elisha was and says, well, Naaman's at the door, and he's got this problem, and and I don't even think Elisha flinched a muscle. I don't think he twitched. I don't think he blinked. I don't think he lost a minute of sleep. I don't think one hair went out of place. I don't think anything was wrong. He said, you go back and tell him that he needs to dip in Jordan seven times. And when he comes out, his flesh will be like that of a baby. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? You say, that's just too easy. I'm just preaching the word of God to you. That's part of our problem. We want it to be real technical and real complicated and real complex. And pastor, I got this problem and I got this deal. Your answer is J-E-S-U-S. Why don't we just take a moment and lift up that name one more time? Your problem's not near as complicated as the doctor said. They ain't got the answers. Come on, somebody. Your financial advisor ain't got the answer. Your mortgage company ain't got the answer. Your marriage counselor ain't got the answer. Your psychologist ain't got the answer. Your pharmacist ain't got the answer. Your family ain't got the answer. One more time, let's clap our hands and call on the name of Jesus. And so Gehazi goes back to the door, cracks it open. And said, the prophet said, the man of God said, go and dip thyself seven times in Jordan. And your flesh will be white as snow. It'll be just like a baby's. Gehazi closed the door, and Naaman immediately got an attitude because he thought, you know what? 
I'm a somebody. I'm a somebody on the boss, on the job. I'm a somebody in my neighborhood. I'm a somebody in my family. I'm a somebody here in Israel. And he would not even come out and talk to me and make a big deal about going through some abracadabra, go through some Benny Hinn kind of a deal. Come on, somebody. I'm going to walk down your road. Just go through some abracadabra, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now you see me, now you don't. Some kind of a weird hand motion where we can make a big show about this. And he was mad. You know what his problem was? His problem was, he said, what's wrong with the church I go to? I've been, on, I've been on the board of deacons for years. What's wrong with that big, fancy, well-groomed lawn church that we go to? Why do I got to do it their way? Why do I got to do it where he said? Why do I got to do it how he said? Why? How bad you want your healing? How bad you want your victory? How bad you want a sound mind? How bad you want your marriage healed? How bad you want your finances healed? Just do it. Clap your hands and give God the praise. What's wrong with baptism in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? That's not how the man of God said to do it. What's wrong with getting baptized once a year with all the group at the denominational church I go to? That's not how the Bible said to do it. You got to go down in the name of Jesus. Why don't you just go ahead and do it and see what God will do and watch the incurable condition of your dilemma go away through the power of obedience. Clap your hands and give him praise. Just do it. You know how a lot of people are? And this is exactly how I was. I was a drug addict, alcoholic, heavy metal wacko. I thought, man, everything's just going to be fine. Recording contracts and parties till dawn. Problem was, it was destroying me. And in 1982, on a concert stage in downtown San Francisco, there was a voice that spoke to me. The first band that played was a death metal group called Exodus. The second group that that opened up for us was a little-known heavy metal band called Metallica. 
I was in the headlining act in 1982. When that curtain parted, there was a voice from another world that spoke to me. Whether it was God or an angel, I do not know. But I want to tell you under the sound of my voice, God's already been talking to people. God's already been nudging some of you. God's already been walking you through the valley of the shadow of death. God's already been leading you to a place of becoming desperate, of becoming realized, I can't go another day like this. I'm going to do it God's way. I don't care what my family thinks. I don't care what my denomination thinks. I don't care what my background thinks. I've got to have a deliverance. Somebody lift your voice like a trumpet and give him praise. You may be seated. One year later, my little brother knocked on my door and had been into an apostolic revival in Modesto, California. He was lit up. He was glowing. I said, man, what kind of dope are you on to glow like that? He said, man, I went, I've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Lifted up his hands and started speaking in tongues right there. Oh, I was thinking exactly what some of you are thinking around here today. This guy is a wacko. He's worse off than when he was on dope. Now he's involved in a cult. That's exactly what some good people here are thinking here today. You're thinking this is a good church for these folks and they're nice enough and all this. But I'm fine with Jesus where I'm at. Sir and ma'am, if it ain't lining up with the voice of the man of God, you've got an incurable situation. Just do it. Baptism and the titles is not in the word of God. Baptism and Father, Son, Holy Ghost is not in the word of God. Just do it. Somebody shout. Somebody clap. Somebody give him praise. My God, man, just do it. Well, I've got to, you know, in our day and age, 21st century, you know, we've got these smartphones. We've got smartphones that are ran by dumb people. And, and now the phone is, is dictating what a person does with their very own life. And people are in a situation where they're, they're addicted to this and they're codependent to that and they're addicted to this and they can't get free from that. And I need a counselor and I need a patch and I need, I need a prescription drug. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody right now. You don't need none of that. You need a man of God that can tell you you need to go down. You need to go under the water. You'll come out of that thing a new creature. It's in the word of God. The interesting thing you may be seeing, the interesting thing about Jordan is it is not clear. It is not a clear babbling brook where you can see the fish and the stones. I was there. I looked at the Jordan River. It's muddy. It's murky. It's muddy. It's dirty. When Naaman got to think, thinking about the condition 
of the Jordan River, he was thinking there ain't no way that that thing is going to make me clean from leprosy. Why don't you let God worry about that? Why don't you let God give you the Holy Ghost before you judge speaking in tongues? Why don't you get it and see if the joy is not unspeakable? Why don't you go ahead and see what God will do? Just do it. Let's give him some praise. I've been down this road that I am preaching about to you so many times. In fact, there's a lot of people that are in our congregation today that got pulled out of denominational churches. But when they realized that their power level was not anything anywhere close to the power level of God's people as described in the book of Acts, they had just come to the place of saying, I'm tired of empty prayers and I'm tired of thinking I'm okay and I'm tired of thinking I'm saved and I'm tired of crying at night and I'm tired of a God that won't heal me and I'm tired of prayers and never get an answer. Why don't you just go ahead and do it and see what God will do? Why don't you obey the word of God and see what God will do? Somebody shout, somebody clap, somebody lift your voice. So, fast forward my story. I finally got to the place where I was about to lose my mind. I had pressures in my brain that was so close to demonic possession, demonic controlled behavior. I was compulsive. I was impulsive. I was addicted to everything that you could possibly imagine. And I finally told my brother, when he showed up, I thought, okay, I'm going to try that Pentecostal church. I walked into the church I got saved in is a, a, a carbon copy of this great congregation here. This great congregation is a carbon copy of the church that I got saved in. When people come walking through that back door, don't you dare say, well, they ain't welcome and that ain't welcome and we don't want that. You better be careful. God, don't move you out and create another seat for somebody that wants this truth and wants this reality. Just do it. Oh, let's just lift our hands and pray right now. Just do it. Why put up with it another day? Why live with the agony and the woundedness of your spirit and your soul? You're a haunted, empty person. You know it. God knows it. I know it. And the devil knows it. Why don't we just do it God's way and let God do what only God can do? And then you'll turn this city upside down. 
when God starts sending people into this church that have pink hair and body piercings everywhere and they don't know if they're a man or a woman. Hey, the gay movement is saying I was born this way and transgenders are saying I was born wrong. You must be born again of the water and of the spirit, saith the Lord. Somebody shout. Somebody lift your voice. Somebody give. Let's all stand. Everybody in the house, let's stand. And so my question is, how desperate do you have to get? before you just do it. How bad's it gotta get before we just do it? The current presidential administration proves that America can go a long ways as long as they've got their online entertainment and they got their recreation and their sports and their pornography. But there's some people in the house today good people, but behind your eyes, behind your lives, you're wounded, you're hurting, you're empty. You're looking for answers in all the wrong places. God has brought you to this house today to let you know that he's been talking to you. He's been walking with you. He's been directing your steps. Well, I don't know if I could ever go to that church. They're crazy. I said the same thing. I looked at those people running the aisles. I looked at my brother. Here I am, have a cocaine addiction, alcohol addiction, and addictions you're not ready to hear. And I'm looking at my brother and saying, these guys look like freaks. My hair's bleach white, sticking way up like this, way down my back, and you all are the freaks. I said, you ain't never going to get me to run these aisles. You ain't never going to get me to look like that. I was one of these people that was worried about what other people were going to think. Yeah, right. But do you know, honey, that after I got baptized in Jesus' name, I was leading the pack before the drummer even hit. I was already on my way before before they ever came in the building. I was in the aisles. Just do it. Musicians come. You're here today. You're saying we already go to a church. But your disease and your problem is still there. You're thinking, I don't know. I'm just not ready. I'm just not desperate enough. I just, I just, I just, you know what? You know what Naaman's problem was? Naaman's problem was a five-letter word. P-R-I-D-E. Pride. Pride. My God, these people are the captives and they're telling me where to go. Just a little old Pentecostal church way over there in the bushes somewhere. Praising. I'm just waiting for them to bring some snakes out. I ain't going to that church. 
No, you don't understand. When you get in this thing, the snakes get cast out. No, those snakes that are in your brain that are trying to get you to walk out on your wife and walk out out of your husband and do something. You can't get in your right mind without a move of God. Even the demoniac found that out. Let's lift our hands in the air and let's give him great praise. I'm done preaching. I'm done preaching. You're here today. God's reaching for you. God's reaching for you. This is good for everybody. Not just the wackos of this county. This is good for everybody. Oh, I know you got an image to uphold, Naaman. You've got, a, you've got an image to hold on to. Everybody thinks there's something. Everybody thinks something else. How bad do you want the healing? Let's lift our hands and give him praise one more time. How bad do you want a clean mind and a clean heart? How bad do you want to lay your head down on a pillow and wake up with peace in your soul? How long are you going to wait to feel that joy that you first felt? There's some backsliders under the sound of my voice that the Holy Ghost is appealing for you to make your move today. How long are you going to wait before you let God have his rightful place in your life? How bad's it got to get? How bad's it got to get? How bad's it got to get? Just do it. As the musicians begin to play, this altar's open. You're here today. God knows you're here today. Why don't you go ahead and make your move and let God do what only God can do. Come on. Church, let's pray right now. Come on, don't wait till the bank account's completely empty. Don't wait till they take the house and the car. Don't wait till you're about to lose your marriage and your sanity. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, try Jesus. Come on, do it God's way. sir God's not going to hurt you God wants to heal you God's not going to harm you God's trying to bless you come on out of your chair and make your way to the front this afternoon and say God I'm going to go ahead and give you everything everything